Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Mr. Gerald Briscoe, Oklahoma's favorite son, and today's birthday boy. And we've got a wonderful treat today. One of the greatest legends in wrestling history, The Claw. They've made a movie about it. They've written a book about it. He was an All-American at Nebraska, two-sport star, played left tackle. I played left tackle. That means he was the smartest person on the entire football field. And then he became one of the greatest legends in wrestling history. He is Mr. Baron Von Raschke. Baron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm really impressed with who I am. I, <laughs> I am too. I am. I am too, Barrett. I've known you for a hundred years, and I never knew all those things about you, man. My 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 partner, he he's he's a research guy, and you know, but he he when when he said, you know, he tried to rub up on you. I know you're one of the smartest guys, and I don't know on the football team, but I had my doubts about Layfield when when he was playing football. <laughs> he you know he couldn't get the snap count right. He couldn't get that hut 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 go. <laughs> It was uh, confusing. He couldn't get on the right hut, hut. Always on the third hut. <laughs> is it? I, I wish I would have known that growing up. Man. No, it I'm isn't. A better football player. No wonder you were offside all these times. But, Jim, man, it's a pleasure having you on. Your son came and saved the day. And you and your, uh, him and your lovely wife, Bonnie, uh, helped us all out getting this thing organized. John, John and I have had some great experiences with, with guys my age. Uh, trying to get on the internet. Stan Hansen, one of the all-time greatest, and, uh, and he's one of the all-time best that we had getting on this on the show. So thanks to everybody that involved getting this show hooked up, man. But we want to talk about you. Tell us a little bit about little Jimmy Rasky before you became big Jim Rasky from Nebraska. Well, I was always little Jimmy Rasky growing up because I lived in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, as things uh, happened, I got I I was born into a family. I had an older brother, myself, and a younger brother. There were three boys, and uh, my younger brother and I always looked up to our older brother. And my older brother went to high school and he played three sports, and uh, so I wanted to be just like my older brother, and so did my brother Art. So Ron was my older brother. And, he played football, so I went off for football when I got to high school. He uh, played basketball, 
So I went out to play basketball. But after the first week or so, they figured out I couldn't dribble or shoot. <laughs> You're probably a lot like my brother trying to play basketball. My brother Jackets, you know very well. He 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 would knock everybody down when he grabbed the ball. He didn't know he didn't know what a pass or assist was. I, I some of his old teammates told me Jack would shoot every time he had the ball in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to play, I guess. So sure. Right? <laughs> So, so uh, which, which brother, how did you finally end up in the sport of wrestling then? Uh, by going out for basketball. <laughs> the coach said, we don't need you no more. <laughs> Didn't let me finish my story. They let, they, they let me come to practice for a couple of weeks, and then they put up the list, who's, who made the team, uh -huh. and I wasn't on the list. Uh -huh. So I went to, uh, I, you know, you got to keep busy and uh, stay out of trouble, so... I went to Mr. Eckfeld, the wrestling coach, and I uh, said, uh, I'd like to go off for wrestling, blah, 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 blah. And he says, well, you know, the season's already started and everybody's going to be ahead of you and you'll probably just get your plow cleaned. He's kind of, that's the way he talked. Get your plow cleaned and you'll probably quit right away. He says, why don't you come back next year and we'll see what will happen. So I didn't get to go out when I was a freshman. So wow, yeah. Anyway, uh, I was kind of aggravated by it, by it, by the way. But well, I can tell you, I tell you, you grew up in a country area and get your plow clean. A lot, a lot of city folks don't understand what getting a plow clean means. <laughs> means getting the crap beat out of you. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, so the next year I went. I played football. I, uh, I sort of caught on to that and. Uh, and uh, I played football in the fall, and then I went out for wrestling, and, you know, the winter sports, one of the winter sports. And uh, I was kind of uh, chubby for my age, by the way. I was still a little Jimmy Rasky. I hadn't <laughs> quite gotten up to up there. And uh, anyway, I went out, and I started to wrestle, and I came – I was always being picked on by my older brother's friends and, you know, I could kind of hold my own with them and didn't know anything about it, wrestling. Anyway, uh, so I caught on pretty good and uh, Mr. Eckfeld was, uh, Vern Eckfeld, he was a, a good coach and brought me along and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make Mark the varsity till I was a senior. Wow. You know, I started as a sophomore because they had a guy that uh, had uh, placed in the state just ahead of me. And uh, I, I, I kept scratching my head because uh, we'd had ref, we had wrestle offs, but uh, Mr. Eckfeld liked, uh, liked Calvin Henry more, I guess. I don't know if he liked him or more than me, but he, uh, he just thought he was more experienced and uh, could handle the, the job better. Anyway, so I wrestled second team my sophomore year and my junior year and and uh, Calvin had graduated that the other the next the, the year later and uh, I was uh, there with two or three other heavyweights and I was 
Well, you must have really caught on if you got a scholarship to Nebraska. They had a pretty salty program, not only in, in football back then, but also in wrestling. When, when John and I were trying to figure out your timeline when you were playing football, was you around when that Remington, that big center was around, or was he after you? He was after me. He was after you, yeah, quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, who, who was coach there? Was Devaney the coach there and had all those great team Nebraska teams or what? No, when I was there, it was a guy from Oklahoma. His name was uh, Bill Jennings, Coach Bill Jennings. And uh, his, I remember his uh, halftime remarks. You know, you used to see a Newt, Newt Rockney on the TV, uh, being honored by TV, and he had the uh, halftime halftime meeting, and he'd say all these great things and. If we're going to do it for the Gipper and that's Bill Jennings, every time I say, well, man, we got to get after him. we got to get after him. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that was your aspiration. Get after him. Anyway. anyway hey, uh, go clean those plows. <laughs> our biggest, uh, our biggest thing is uh, when I was a, uh, you know, senior year yeah my senior year no my junior year my junior year uh, oklahoma had been the terror of the conference for years oklahoma U, and uh they were just putting out all americans all over the place and and uh, uh now would that have been close to wahoo mcdaniel's year when, when yes huh? i was just going to mention wahoo but uh yeah he, he I I was uh, I was sitting on the on the bench, and uh, we played we played Oklahoma. Uh, I think it was my junior year. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, didn't matter. I this guy would line up right right next to our bench, and he'd be like this, <laughs> <laughs> and play would start. They kick off and. Down the field he'd run. I'd, I'd watch him. It was just interesting to watch. And, you know, he'd do something, hit somebody, and boom, 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 boom. And anyway, he was great. And that was my first acquaintance with uh, Wahoo. Much later, after, after uh, uh, he would do that, then he'd give you that damn chop, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wop. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's. Uh, that's sad. He was, uh, and he became a great friend of mine too. So, you know. So after school, how how did you end up? I know, I know, you had some great competition with another great, uh, great amateur wrestler and, and a guy that got into her business too, uh, Bob Roop, the Olympian Bob Roop. You had some good, good Greco matches wrestle off for the Olympic team with them. Did you make the Olympic team, or was, was it Roop Roop and you uh, kind of swirl? I. I uh, I actually made the uh, sixty four uh, Olympic team. Tokyo, Japan, right? Tokyo, yeah. I was going to go to Tokyo with uh, uh, with uh, a lot of great athletes from all over. Anyway, uh, uh, anyway, we got to. Uh, I'd won. I'd won. Uh, I was in the army at the time, so I, I got to pick and choose, and I, I, I 
I would be able to leave the fort and go wrestle in different areas of the country and you know and there'd be qualifying matches for the the olympic team and then i got they had the olympic trials at uh, the uh, expo in uh, it was on in new york on long island and i happened to be in station in brooklyn at fort hamilton i was drafted and uh somehow they found out i, I had wrestled and i'd gotten I'd, I'd made the uh, world team the year before in 1963 and uh, and I was uh, the second American to ever place in Greco-Roman wrestling in the world championships. Wow. Uh, his name eludes me now, but I know him well. Anyway, uh, anyway, uh, so I won the tryouts for the Olympic team, went to uh, down to the academy, the Naval Academy in Annapolis, and uh, they brought down some guys that had also, uh, just for people to work out with, I guess. Anyway, uh, I got, uh, one of them injured me. He uh, hooked, hooked my arm low and, uh, through all of his weight back. He's a big guy, strong guy. And we hit the, uh, we hit out of bounds and, and my body went over my arm and my, my uh, elbow went. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I blew, it blew up and it was like a big ball instead of an elbow. Anyway, I made the team, but I didn't get to go to the Olympics. Uh, I should have been able to go, but I did, they didn't. They didn't take people uh, who uh, couldn't, you know. Were in that was a '64 one. '64, yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. Anyway, uh, I'm almost over that, by the way. <laughs> almost over. Well, <laughs> well, we'll get you over it real quick, right? So you didn't make the Olympic team. Uh, what kind of sparked that interest in uh, in the world of professional wrestling? Well, I hadn't been too interested in it, uh, you know, amateur wrestlers, you know. Like, right. Back in those days, it was taboo. We kind, of, we kind of think about professional wrestling a little different than the average person does. And, uh, so, uh, let's see. Yeah. So, in 65, I uh, tried out for another world team. And... Uh, You blew out your knee and you ended up in the hospital. No, I don't remember that. No, um, I made another world team in 65. Right? Yeah, 65. And anyway, uh, one of the guys I trained with at the uh, military academy in uh, West Point, I met he was there in 63 too. No, 63. Anyway, it was, <laughs> it was Mr. Bob. Yeah, who cares about the dates? I mean, yeah. We had to work out against each other every day. Yeah. Who's that? You and Rube? Yeah, Bob and, Bob and I. And uh, the third guy was a guy from uh, Minnesota. I'd seen him wrestle with them. 
amateur. Uh, he went to the University of Minnesota, and uh, his name was Charlie Coffey, and he was a 136 pounder. And uh, uh, why am I saying and and and? But anyway, uh, he uh, he and I and Bob Rook became fast friends, and uh, once in a while we'd. Uh, get on the highway and hitch, hitch a ride to New York City to see what the big city was all about. Didn't mount to much, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was actually stationed at Fort Hamilton, Brooklyn, but we didn't go to there. But anyway, uh, anyway, what, what it worked out to be is that uh, Charlie, Charlie's this uh, smaller guy, but he's got a terrific build and he works out every day. And, even to this day, he can do 30 pull-ups. And uh, he's got a grip like Don, a kind of grip like Danny Hodge. He can grab <laughs> you and he, like he likes to say, and crush him. <laughs> anyway, uh, but we would get, we'd have uh, Charlie, who looked really rugged, smaller but rugged, and me, and I was tall and strikingly handsome. <laughs> and, uh, but Bob had yeah, very modest. Bob had this beautiful baby face, and which was uh, uh, not not an expression I learned to later. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so we'd put him out out on the highway. Charlie had be back in the shadows, and if a car pulled over, the three of us would converge. <laughs> anyway, that's how we traveled. And Bob was Bob was our key to getting the rides. So. Uh, and uh, I don't know what else you want to know. So when, when when did the interest, how did it work out to end up getting into professional wrestling? What happened that sparked well, it? How'd you hook up with it? Okay. I had a deal I, that I could go to the New York AC every day and work out because I lived, I was in Brooklyn in the army and uh, they would let me come and work out. Bill Farrell was running the uh, wrestling program and he was from Lincoln, Nebraska. So we had a sort of a connection and uh, he was running the wrestling program. And he said, sure, you know, come and work out. So I, I'd get on the subway, you know, take care of my sergeant that I worked for. I was, I was a biology major or yeah, I was bi biology major in college. So the army gave me a job as a food inspector. <laughs> They didn't send me to the school that was in Chicago. That's a great job for a wrestler, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Not so bad for a heavyweight. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'd show up. At, I'd, uh, I, I, would, I would get up in the morning, and I didn't have to stand for uh, inspection because uh, my job had me go in there before uh, the wake-up horn anyway i'd be down at the uh com commissary it was a big grocery store and uh my sergeant would be there in a little office and i'd show up and he'd say uh i'd say what do you want me to do today and he'd say well why don't you go down and check out those sarah lee cakes and uh, we'll have to test those and uh -huh. I'd go down, pack, pick up packages, barely cakes, and <laughs> he'd sit there. He'd sit there and eat them, and 
he has, he has bad habit. He's also that's a very rigorous testing policy. Yeah, wow. <laughs> after, after the U.S. Army, right? <laughs> they didn't even teach me how to candle eggs. Anyway, uh, but anyway, uh, it was all good. I got the rest of them. And how Bill, you, what? How did you get into the pro wrestling? Oh, he, he's trying to get that out of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Okay. <laughs> That's the setup for the story. Then I'd go, I'd go to the New York AC. And, and most of those guys were older guys who were working, you know, and uh, I could go there. You know, Sergeant would let me go. Would, he would let me go at, at any time. Once he got his donuts, I, I was free to go. So I'd, I'd go, you know, sometime in the afternoon. I'd uh, take the subway into into uh, Times Square. I'd look around and, uh, what am I doing here? Anyway, uh, uh, then I'd go go to the AC around the athletic club at well, three or four in the afternoon. And there'd be nobody in the wrestling room because they, they were all working. You had to wait till five, six before uh, they'd start coming in. But I'd be there and they had a track that went, ran around the gym, which was a basketball court. It was upstairs, up above. And it took 27 laps to make a mile. So I'd, I'd be running those laps and make, you know, just staying in shape a little bit. And uh, they had a good, a good weight room too. So I'd, I'd do that stuff. And, uh, and then around five, six later, the guys would start to come from all their various jobs around New York. And it was diverse, you know, a lot of different guys. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys, uh, I think his name is uh, Jerry Greenlaw, uh, something like that. Anyway, but he was a smaller guy, you know, he was the first guy there, you know, he wanted to just, mess around so we'd go around blah, 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 blah. and whatever I was doing I jammed my foot in the mat somehow and my knee uh, didn't explode but it hurt a lot and that puppy swelled up so anyway it turned out I'd torn a cartilage and uh, so I, I was shipped off to uh, the Queens Navy Hospital, the Queens Navy Hospital, which is in Queens, New York. And uh, I woke up and after, after the surgery the next day, I woke up and in the bunk next to me was another guy and he just had his knee done and he, uh, uh, you know, you know, same operation. Anyway, uh, he was a big uh, professional wrestling fan. John Hamilton, I think. John Hamilton. Anyway, anyway, uh, every Saturday, the New York New York uh, promotion would have wrestling on, and they would do this this, you know. Uh, TV show and it was action packed and they had all great stars uh, 
Bruno Sammartino is wrestling. Uh, 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 Dr. Jerry Graham was there. Big heavy guy. And, uh, they had all, you know, they had all the all the characters and all the stuff. And uh, I was watching. I was watching. We'd, we'd be down in the uh, recreation room with TVs. Over and I'd be watching it. And I said, "Gee, I might be able to do that." Forgetting about how uh, shy I was, I was. You know, I. I You're was, saying Big Jim Rasky was shy? Yeah, Big Jim. Little Jimmy. Little, <laughs> Little Jimmy. Jimmy was shy back in those. Jim, Jim, I think that when you were growing up in Nebraska, there was no professional wrestling on TV at that time, or, uh, or you just you guys just didn't watch it. No, yeah, I, I never, I never tuned it in. But yeah, well, we did see it once in a while. <laughs> the rest, the Rasky family, my aunts and uncles, and their 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 kids, we all. Go to Grandma Rasky's house on Sundays, and they have a big meal. Everybody bring food. It was a great time for us, us kids. Anyway, uh, and uh, pro wrestling was just being shown on TV. As a matter of fact, TV was just being shown. Yeah, TV was just coming out. Yeah, and uh, my one uncle uh, uh, bought bought Grandma the first TV that we ever saw. And uh, wrestling was, professional wrestling was built for TV because it could be done in a smaller space, you know, set up a few rows of chairs in a smaller space, put the ring in the middle and you feed the guys in. Anyway, and they, they had uh, a lot of guys doing terrific interviews and and uh, I watched it and I thought, ooh, that's, I mean, and one of the guys was Yukon uh, Eric. And I was really impressed with him. I had a trade, I got a trading card somewhere for Yukon huh. Eric and I kept that for me. Wow. And, and anyway, but then I never, I never, well, this is when I was in the hospital. That was grandma's house, okay. And then years later, after I was drafted, got in the army, was in the Queens Naval Hospital, had operation. They kept us there for a month and a half or whatever. So I got back, yeah, back then, the recovery was a heck of a lot longer than it is now, I guess. Oh, they yeah. Did a lot more too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, well, I, I'd watch, I'd watch John pull me, John, another John. He would pull me down down to that rec room and I'd watch TV with him because we were buddies and this, that, and the other. We did dishes in the commissary after or whatever. Anyway, uh, uh, I just kept thinking that might be something I could do. And I didn't have much time to do anything else. So I, uh, I, I knew that- you're still, you're still in the army, right? At this time? Still in the army, yeah. With a knee that's been you know, mangled, mangled, yeah, and and repaired. But uh, um, I'm there, and I don't have much time. I mean, I had a lot of time to kill. So I knew the name of the promoter in Omaha, Nebraska, and I knew that the wrestling was on a certain channel, 
and uh, KMTV, I think it was. Anyway, uh, so I wrote a nice letter and introduced myself. His name was Joe Dusick, by the way. Right, Joe Dusick, yep. The Dusick brothers. Dusick brothers, yeah. They used they used to own uh, New York before Vince. Got right, started. right, yep. Anyway, uh, um, I wrote him a, this nice letter, and uh, I put all all of my wrestling accomplishments on it. You know, and so I told him I'd like to maybe. If I asked him if he could train me to be a professional wrestler, so what it amounted to. And uh, sure enough, he wrote me back a nice, nice, uh, nice letter, nice reply, and said, Well, when you get out of the army, you know, check in with me and you know, go and give me whatever you gave me, address or phone number. Oh, no, he just, just said this come to the TV and say so, Anyway. So I thought, well, it was a nice letter and I kept it. Um, uh, so eventually I got out of the um, 19, uh, Kennedy shop in 63. The day I was inducted, by the way. So I remember it well, standing in the rain, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. I went to, I went to basic training, Fort Leonard Wood, National Guard. That's where I, that, uh, I was I was drafted, so that's where I was trained. And it's it's got the it's got the best weather to catch pneumonia in the fall and winter, and it's got the yeah, except January, February when I was there, <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> so you make it out to Omaha, do you make it out to Mr. Deustick's TV out there? What happened then? Um, I got something mixed up. Anyway, uh, yeah, I got hold, I got got hold of Joe Dusick and uh, he said, Well, come to the TV. I, I you know, so and so, such and such the street. And uh, I said, Okay, uh, on a certain night. And he would introduce me to Vern Gagne because Vern Gagne had his, his operation up in uh, with Wally Carble up in uh, Minneapolis. And his talent would come to Omaha, and it was one of their towns. Joe Dusick actually ran his own territory, but he'd use Vern's guys. And Vern was the champion of the of the territory and whatever. So anyway, I met Vern. He says, "Well, maybe." Did you know? Did you know who Vern was from uh, amateur wrestling? Uh, not really. I'd seen him on TV. And he'd been, you know, he was an Olympian. And, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know that much about him. Anyway, uh, he came and I met him, and you know, he's a real, real personable person. And uh, uh, he says, "Well, come up to, uh, to come up, come up to Minnesota and." Uh, uh, come up to see, come up to Minnesota, and I'll see what you got. And so I said, "Okay." Well, I was driving an old, old beat-up car. I was teaching school at the time, 
And uh, this was just after, uh, this was in the, this was in the uh, late spring that I contacted Vern after the army. And uh, I, I had this old car, it was 10 or 15 years old, bought it for 50 bucks. One fender was brown, one fender was green. And I drive that to school and all the kids know the car Mr. Rashby drove. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I, di I didn't really feel too comfortable driving driving from Omaha to Minneapolis in that car, but my younger brother, who happened to be in the Navy Reserve, stationed in Fort Omaha, at Fort Omaha in the Navy. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Maybe it's the big Omaha seaport they have. Yeah. <laughs> Lake, the backwater of the Mississippi, or the Missouri. Anyway, uh, I asked my brother, brother Art if I could borrow his car. He had a newer car. And, I took it. I got it. And he said, "Sure." And then, because we we got along pretty good, my brothers. And uh, so I took it up there, and I I uh, found the uh, wrestling office, and Vern uh, had had pneumonia at the time, <laughs> so he couldn't work out for a few few. Uh, weeks but anyway he got he got over the pneumonia and he, so he had a he had a setup at a barn he owned some property with an old farm with an old barn and one of his brothers he's from a family of 13 i think one of his brothers uh, lived on it with their, his family but out in the uh, barnyard they had, he had a big ring set up full-size ring uh, cemented posts, po the posts, and there's a, a big ring, big ring, and uh, that's where that's where the the first workout started. And, uh, test me, see if I could wrestle. Uh, I, I passed the test, I guess. So uh -huh. anyway, he. he uh, the, the, the workouts weren't the, weren't the Vern Gagne workouts that later on where he was trying to hurt guys all the time, was it? Uh, no, no, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't, he didn't have that mentality. He just, uh, he would have embarrassed you probably, but he wouldn't <laughs> hurt you too much. I don't think. He didn't, he didn't do that with me. Anymore. Anyway, uh, so. Uh, How long did your training last before you had your first match? Well, my first match, but uh, the, the sequence was I, was, I was, I was going out there every day, you know, and sometimes Vern would be there and sometimes he couldn't be there and blah, 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 but I would go there. And then uh, it also had me come to the TV shoot, uh, shoots every, every week. And they did that in a, at this Calhoun Beach Hotel. And that was uh, where they, they did their weekly TV show, uh, the, the live one there, and then the tapes would be made and they'd be sent to Chicago and uh, Winnipeg, 
Timbuktu and uh, a few of them probably showed up in the Azores. <laughs> I don't know. In the Azores. Yeah, you know, you know where that is. No, where is it? I think it's over by Portugal. Okay. <laughs> Jerry, that's where I'm going in two days. Well, what? that's, that's what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been there. I'm going fishing there in, in literally in two days. I'm going to the Azores. Oh. I'm flying to Lisbon, Portugal, and it's a Portuguese island about, uh, I don't know how far off. It's two and two hours and 45 minute flight from Lisbon to Horta Azores, which is the smallest island at the bottom. It's uh, the Marlin fish in heaven. I'm going for my buddy's 60th birthday, whose dad started the marlin fishing industry in the Azores, and he wants to go back and see where his dad was and all that stuff. So uh, I'm literally, I'm, I'm <laughs> what wow. a random name to bring up. I'm going there in two days. Okay. Uh, way to go, Jim. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I get to brag about going to the Azores to go fishing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, that reminds me of my Aunt Trovi. She loved to fish. She lived out in the Azores? <laughs> Real close. Maybe John can look her up down there. Yeah, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I, I'll say hi to her. I asked Anchovy one time, why do you like fishing so much? She said, just for the halibut. <laughs> for the halibut. Uh, the halibut. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, okay. Anyway. Anyway, you're trading with Vern, you're going to TV. Who who were your trainers at the at the barn? Uh once in a while, uh somebody would be in town and Vern would bring him out to the barn. Wilbur Snyder was one of them. Uh uh Larry uh Henning. No, not Larry Henning. Uh he was around then, but so, uh, Zalisco? No, not You're not that old. Huh? You're not that old. I need me. I need Larry, I need me, yeah. Later Lars Anderson, yeah. Lars, that's what I was gonna say, Lars Anderson. I didn't know Lars was damn, he's old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh he came up once uh, uh you know, but then uh, they set me up to be the uh, the ring guy. So they, they had all these spot shows and wait, uh, that's something that that, that really confused. Here, here, Vern's got this Olympian, and you're there training. You show willingness and you show some aptitude that you really want to get in this business. And the first thing he does, he puts you on a road crew setting up rings. Uh, that's a hell of a way to train Olympian to me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, you inspired Bob Roop not to go there because of that. Yeah, that's the reason Roop came down here in Florida because he didn't want to follow what you had to do, be a referee and travel around with the ring for a couple of years. Well, I actually, uh, for me, for me, it was real helpful because, uh, uh, um, you know, I, I got to referee uh, five or six matches a night and uh, I'd set up the ring, referee, and uh, tear it down, and go to the next town, da, 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 over and over. But uh, I was in the ring with all these different guys, and everybody's got their own little style, and you learn things, you know, you pick things up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that helped me a lot, with the, getting some basics that were very important. But anyway, uh, they had me doing that for three or four months, and then uh, 
probably more like three. Uh, then I finally had my first match. Yep, and uh, that was in uh, Milwaukee with Billy Red Cloud. Billy Red Cloud, huh? Yeah. And uh, uh, it went. It, it, it got over uh, because of Billy being a true pro. He uh, he got me through it. So uh -huh. It looked like a decent match, you know. Uh -huh. Nothing to be ashamed of for sure. Thank goodness for those veterans that can carry a kid like us, right? Yeah, and I and we, we all three of us had those. <laughs> I could hear through these cauliflower ears, so he was talking to me and uh -huh. he was to that there. Anyway, uh, and uh, and then uh, my next match was, uh, I think it was Minneapolis, but I'm not sure. Could have been St. Paul. No, it was Minneapolis. It was at the Minneapolis, uh, no, the Army was in St. Paul. Uh, so you were wrestling at Jim, Jim Rasky, just Jim Rasky at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jim Rasky, yeah. Uh. Huh. I didn't let him use little. I didn't let him use little Jim Rice. <laughs> a little Jim Rice, yeah. By then I had grown, uh, I'd pretty much grown. What was, what was your, what was your uh, height and weight at that, that time when you're, when you're uh, getting going? I was three or four inches taller than my hair at that early age. Huh. I was about huh. three, three and a quarter. Wow. Anyway, uh, and uh, uh, and I weigh, I weighed about uh, probably 215, 220. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, anyway, what, what were we talking about? Oh, the wrestling career. Second. My second match which was, was a guy named uh, Juan Sandeas. And uh, I had met him over at Eddie Sharkey's house. Shark, Sharkey had me over for some reason. And uh, he was living, he, he was renting a room from Eddie Sharkey in his closet. So uh, anyway, uh, he was going like uh, some crazy Cuban because the Cubans were hot, you know, they were acting up, uh, they were having a revolution and he was, Anyway, but he uh good old bear pigs yeah yeah he uh he had me uh practice our match before we did a match and uh it turned out to be a real <laughs> you know and uh and but uh Vern hadn't seen my first match but he saw all that match he says, he had this thing he did with his forehead and his hand. They would meet when he was a little bit perturbed. Anyway, they kept me anyway. I kept refereeing. Eventually, uh, eventually, during those TV sessions, I'd set up the ring and then they'd have me stay in the control room with Al Darusha, who was the director, and he punched all those buttons in there with the TVs and the lights. And, and it, it was in a hotel, but the, the wrestling was 
probably on the third floor, I don't know. But uh, the wrestlers uh, got dressed in the basement. They'd come up on the elevator when they were, you know, they'd, they had some communication to get them up. And just, just as uh, they were being introduced, uh, they'd walk across this uh, doorway. They kept the door open because it was usually up warm in the, in, uh, the control, control booth. They'd walk up by the doorway, normal door, and the light was in the hallway and they'd go by, you know, and sometimes they'd wave at me, sometimes they wouldn't. Usually they just ignored me. And uh, anyway, uh, so I was doing this week after week after week after week. And uh, as they came out, they'd be announced, uh, uh, coming to the ring now is Larry the Axe Hennig. And just about the time they said, Hennig. Uh, the wrestler would be jumping into the ring and then the next guy would come up and the action would begin. And so it happened that way. Boom, 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 match after match. And uh, so I was in there and uh, 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 it was time for a match and this, this uh, they started to introduce, no, yeah, okay. They started the introduction and instead of just walking past the doorway, this figure just stopped at the doorway, turned and looked straight in like this. And uh, uh, he says, he pointed his finger and said, you, you would make a good German. <laughs> <laughs> And then he went, got in the ring, and uh, Roger Kent said, and jumping into the ring now is Maurice Mad Dog Vashon. <laughs> he hit that ring, and bodies would fly, and <laughs> And uh, so the next week, I'm sitting there, da, 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 uh, watching the matches, trying to learn whatever I could learn. And uh, same thing happened. And he's being started. They start to introduce him, and he comes to the thing, and he said, "He stopped." He said, "You would make a good." <laughs> and to be honest with you guys, probably a little bit afraid of it. <laughs> Was he jumping around? I think a lot of people were. <laughs> <laughs> they were very wise, very wise, <laughs> and. Uh, Anyway, he'd go in the ring, and what was what had happened is he was he was just coming in doing TV for about four or five weeks, and getting established and uh, on the TV. So, uh, and uh, fi finally, he he moved into the territory, and he was a he was a sensation. So I would see him on the road now because uh, I would I'd be. Uh, setting up the ring and doing, doing the refereeing. So I had to converse with them and everybody else and do stuff. And so I did, I did that and we got to be friends. Now he, he was on the Canadian Olympic team. And uh, he was a, like a friend of Vern. Vern got, that was back in 48, I guess. And uh, he and Vern were friendly and uh, 
anyway, he, he respected what I'd done and uh, whatever. But we get, became kind of chummy. And so he says, uh, you know, Baron, he'd always call me Baron because I wasn't. He said, you wasn't a Baron at the time though, right? Oh, I was still Jim. I still Jim, okay. Jim, yeah. I still Jim. Anyway. Uh, Jim, is your heritage German? Huh? Is your heritage, your family heritage German? Yep, yep, yep. So when he, he said you make a good German, he, he was right. Well, that was my final, yeah. The, about the third time he did that, I, I, I said. I am German. <laughs> I said to sweet little voice, I said, well, I am German. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. You'd be a better German. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, we got to talking in the restaurant and he says, you know, I'm going back to uh, Quebec, Canada. Quebec, Canada. Okay. That's, where's huh. that's like the Azores. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, uh, he says, uh, a certain time. Meanwhile, I, 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 I met this young, beautiful young lady, and, and uh, we had, uh, how should I put this, fallen in love. And we were going to get married. And it was going to be in, on February 13th. What, the, what was the year? Six, one so set. Sixty-seven, yeah. And that was the year of the uh, the uh, Expo Expo in uh, Montreal, nineteen sixty-seven. set. I learned about it. Anyway, uh, he says, uh, "I'm going to, I'm going back up to Montreal, and I'd like you to come with me. It's my partner." And I said, gee, dog, yeah, that sounds good. You know, I, I don't know what Anyway, uh, anyway, I told him I would. And then I told Bonnie I would. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we did get married. And uh, she told her mom that uh, he said, uh, Jim and I are going to we're going to uh, Montreal, Canada. And she's, her mom said, oh, don't go, don't go. But she did. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I wound up there. And, and by and, uh, they had a really uh, first class uh, interviewer, Marty O'Neill, when I was breaking in. And Vern had, uh, had Marty interviewed me, you know, how, how the training was going and all this stuff. And I'd come out there and I'd say, well, I did some, did some of this and I did some of that. I, did. I, I was so shy. I was really shy. And uh, I, almost, I almost funked English once because uh, they had a speech segment and I give, give a good speech. But anyway, uh, I got to Montreal with my wife and uh, did you become a German? I was a German. I <laughs> know <laughs> the official German. A more German. Did you become a baron? <laughs> <laughs>
Mad Dog wanted to name me Baron Von Pumpkin. <laughs> Pumpkin? Yeah. That's terrible. Ain't no German name. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Pumpkin's over there, but I don't know. But anyway, I, I said, gee, dog, I've got a, I've got a German last name. I, I am German. <laughs> On both si sides. My mom wasn't all German. Anyway, uh, I said, I'd rather just go with my name, Baron, uh, Baron Von Raschke. Uh, he, he had the Baron already in his mind. So, okay. So I became Baron Fritz Von Raschke there. My first there were a lot of Barons back in those early days of professional yeah. wrestling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throughout my whole career, there were other Barons. <laughs> so you were everybody originally. Say everybody stole your gimmick. Yeah. So you were originally Fritz von Raschke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when did Fritz von Eric steal your name? He didn't. <laughs> he was Fritz. He was Jack Adkinson. He became Fritz von Eric. So he, uh, you know. He, but he stole it from you. Who was Fritz first? Well, he was. He, he was an old. He was an old timer by the time I got. <laughs> Don't get mad. I'm yeah. Not getting, <laughs> yeah, we're just, I'm not getting mad. Um, no, anyway. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, and I, I, I didn't speak German because uh, Grandma wouldn't didn't want the kids to speak uh, German. It was they were growing up in the World War Two days and. Uh, yeah, yeah they, they were the heels in the war. They were the heels, yeah. <laughs> and uh, was your grandma uh, from here? Was she from actually was she born in Germany and came and migrated over here? What emigrated over here? What I think she was born in the states, but in the states, you know, they, they yeah, she came. I think she, I think she came with her. No, but I think she might have come, come with him. I don't know. I have a sister-in-law that uh, at German, but she's not a Baron. <laughs> Is she a Fritz? No, she's not a Fritz either. <laughs> she's a Helga, though. Helga. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's German. Yeah. yeah. So when you became Fritz von Raschke, did you automatically get the German outfit and all the stuff that went with it? Did you have to make the whole character? Yes. My... Uh... My wife's uh, roommate, who she was living with, her, her and two, her and two other girls living in a apartment complex. And you remember Charlie Coffee from earlier? I mentioned the uh -huh. little guy wrestler. Uh, he and I and another big guy, Tom Lampy, the Finlander, uh, we decided to move in together when I first went up to. Minnesota. Uh, they were going to both. They were both starting teaching careers, and uh, I was interrupting my teaching career by becoming a pro wrestler. Anyway, uh, what's the point of this story? I don't know. The, did you have to develop the whole character, the outfit, oh, everything as yeah, a German, yeah. as a Baron, not a German? You're already a German. <laughs> what was your roommate's name? I can't. Lucy. 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 Yeah, yeah Lucy. Uh, she made this beautiful cape for me. Uh, 
red satin on one side, black satin on the other side. Beautiful, it hung on me so well, you know, and looked so good. I had the, I had the audacity to have a swastika put on it. <laughs> what do I know? Well, anyway, uh, so the first time I wore it was in, uh, in Montreal at the Paul Sauvet Arena. And that was, that was my first introduction to, uh, to being Baron Darnoski, first official. That was the first official. You know, uh, JBL tried to be a German in Germany and got fired by NBC for doing a uh, Fritz von uh, Rasky gimmick. I did, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't work out well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was a German for a very short time. <laughs> I got a lot of heat over it. <laughs> he just got hard. Who, NBC? CNBC, yeah, they fired me. I, I worked over there as Baron von Rasky, and nobody bothered me. Yeah, you, you had better. You had better. But you're a real German. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were German. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he, what did what you do? The goose step dance, or, or something uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, that's right. In the middle of the match against Eddie Guerrero, trying to get heat with the crowd, came back and uh, got he got heat, heat all right. But I got a lot right. of heat. I ended up being, I ended up being called a Nazi in the post. I got yeah, I had I had a lot of heat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, got fired from CNBC. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I got rid of that. Uh, so did he. I so did he. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out he's never been a German since. <laughs> no, and I won't be again. <laughs> so you got it all to yourself now, Joe. Yeah, I learned my lesson. You, you, Prince von Eric and Prince von Rasky can have it all. So. Anyway, uh, did you get heat right away with it? Right when you come out with the swastika and the cape and everything, what kind of heat was there? Uh, well, one thing leads to another. Mad Dog was over sensational, you know, and he was an amateur wrestler and everything, right? But he had turned to the other side because he really is a little bit off. <laughs> yeah. And he's a tough guy, but, but anyway, uh, uh, so he had a ton of heat all by himself. Didn't need any help. But when I came out, it just kind of worked together because he's, he's not a real tall guy and I'm fairly tall, you know, and so we had this little guy who was much more dangerous than I would ever be. And uh, anyway, uh, they got even more angry with me, him bringing me on as his part. And uh, I had my first interview there, and all the way up in the car, I, was, I kept saying, Paul, Paul, and Paulette, and things like that to sort of have an accent. So anyway, I got, I got it. I had my I had my match. I was on one of the first two two or three matches, and with the uh, old pro uh, Larry Mokane Mokane Mokwan. It's spelled M O Q U I N. Anyway, uh, and he was a hometown boy, older. He was an older gentleman actually, and uh, he uh, 
much like Billy Red Cloud, uh, because Mad Dog asked him to do this. Uh, he led me through this series of things to do. And you know, you know I, was, I was doing like this to the crowd and they didn't like it much, I don't know why. <laughs> is, that a, is that a German, uh, German move? Yeah, the snooze. <laughs> <laughs> too many, too many, uh, I watched too many German, you know, conflicts, the war movies, and they, they were always sneering. Anyway, I, look, I would look at the people like that. Oh, I had a monocle, too. So I was, I was pretty snooty, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, it just kind of gelled. His heat and my heat, it was kind of overwhelming. And for the, the whole summer, it was unusual if we didn't have to fight our way back to the dressing room because the people would go crazy. And, uh, uh, so it was very interesting. What, what, like, when you weren't at the arena, like around town, people see it. Did, would you stay in character with uh, the, the German? When you Did you run into fans much that would look at you and go, that's that's the German guy that we hate? Um, right away. Well, I used to wear a hat. I wear, I'd wear a hat outside, so I, I wasn't too, uh, too easily recognized. But uh, then uh, a couple years later, wigs became very popular. So then I started to wear a wig. <laughs> <laughs> but then I found out after a while that didn't work either. They recognized me more with a wig than I without it. So anyway, uh, I've Mr. always- Mr. Frisco still wears one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, he's such a nice looking boy too. <laughs> Thank you. It's his birthday today, Baron. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I was going to do something nice for him, and I think I will. I feel like doing it right now, Carl. How about a cameo? <laughs> Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, dear Sherry! Happy birthday to you! Join in! Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you! you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jerry. Jerry. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. And that is all the people need to know. Wow. 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 I'm a, I, can I officially be a Baron today on my birthday? <laughs> Baron Von Briscoe? Yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Be a good baron. Yeah. He would be a good baron. Yeah. So after Montreal, when how how long did you end up staying in Montreal, and did when did you want to go back to Minneapolis and all, all of that? Um, almost. And why? And what was what was beautiful Bonnie thinking about all this German stuff? While she, <laughs> this is not the man I married. Uh, who is this guy? <laughs> Well, uh, I, I I felt early on that I I couldn't I I couldn't be the Baron for twenty four hours a day. <laughs> I, 
I was a homebody. I liked to be home. I liked to, and uh, our first child was born there in Mon Montreal. So uh, Heidi and uh, uh, I was, I think I was pretty mellow at home and uh, with friends and neighbors who, uh, uh, we just kept a low profile. Sir, you, mentioned, you mentioned you were a really shy young guy. Did, did it help you playing a character to come out of that shell? Okay, back to the first night at the Paul Sauvay Arena on Pinot and Nof. Uh, street number nine. It's, uh, they had me do, go out for an interview Oh, I was with, yeah. They had me come out with an interview during the break in the show uh, with with the Mad Dog. So he's coming out and I'm coming out and uh, they're interviewing in French. Most of the audience is French. A lot of people, that was their only language. It's, most of them spoke uh, both languages. Anyway, uh, uh, the announcer says, uh, we have uh, Medoc Vachon here and uh, Bevan Varaski and uh, Medoc, what do you think about the bed? The Medoc got the mic and he went, well, I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you that, blah, 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 I think those are swear words, by the way. Anyway, uh, he had this terrific, you know, really, vibrant message and all I could think of to say we we're scheduled to wrestle the two Rougeau brothers Johnny and uh, uh, Ramon Johnny and Jacques what? Ramon? No Johnny and Jacques Jacques Ramon was uh, Jacques kid yeah. the two boys that wrestled much later anyway uh and they were, of course, the fan favorites because they are French Canadians, born there, raised there, and uh, uh, a spot Mad Dog could have had too. But <laughs> anyway, I chose not. Anyway, uh, so Mad Dog got on there. He had this terrific interview, all in French, speaking in French. And then he said to me, "And Baron, what do you think about uh, Rougeau Brothers?" And I said. With the mad dog, I will. My accent is a better way. I, I will win. I must win. I am trying to win. Win, win, win. I will just start. I will just start. I will just start. Just start. Just start. I was saying destroy. And I must have said it 50 times in the two, two minutes, whatever it was. <laughs> And the people were going crazy because they didn't understand me in any English. <laughs> but I said it, I said it uh, kind of like uh, Mad Dog would say it. And uh, anyway, by then, then we were taken away. And so, uh, well, the next show was sold out. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> That's all.
When did you bring the claw in? Um, uh, let's see. Montreal one year, Heidi was born. Then we went to, oh, Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. We wrestled for Eddie Farhat, the Sheik, for a year. Montreal year, their year. Then we went to Texas, no? Dallas, yeah. Then yeah. we went to Dallas. Dallas. Oh, Toledo. No, okay, yeah. Then we went to Dallas for another year or so. Oh, how far apart are you guys? Jim, what I find is amazing here that here you're kind of a rookie in the business, but you're you're your top guy, your main event guy, almost from the very beginning of your career, and that's amazing. And you're you only know, you get that spot, not only to get that spot in one place, but then you got to carry it to another place, then another place. You you must you you you're really getting over the time, and you had to have a lot of talent to maintain that position. So you were really learning on the fly. You had a lot of guys helping you out along the way, I guess. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. A lot of guys guys helped me, and uh, uh, it was a. Uh, I love the business once I got got to understand it and uh, with around the guys, and the, so. Uh, uh, and except for a couple of trips to visit my other grandparents when they moved to California and well, they moved to Wisconsin once too. But uh, I, we, I, I hadn't really been on the road much. Anyway. Uh, so you went to Dallas and then. And... Yeah, and met, and met, actually met and worked for Fritz von Erich. And. Uh, what was that like? I mean, here you're Baron, and he's just Fritz, and you're near in his territory. You're much, you're much higher German than him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're a real German. Your name is Atkinson. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he's Swedish or something. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, I got along good with it, with them. You know, they took care of it. They paid decent and uh, was this the battle of the claws at the time you had the stomach claw and the head claw or what how did how did that happen i, I think I, john had asked how, how I, where no, that claw developed where I, that claw developed no claw no claw no claw no claw no claw no claw Never. not fretch of territory anyway <laughs> well don jardine had it down there that yeah and uh they had they had the claw versus claw matches and uh, uh waldo von eric was down there too and uh, matter of fact, Waldo was in uh, the Mad Dog. Mad Dog got in a his car, went off the road, and had a he broke his uh, pelvis, split his pelvis or whatever, and he was in the hospital. But anyway, uh, uh, luckily uh, Hans Schmidt was, uh, who is a French Canadian, <laughs> Hans Schmidt was there, and he he took over. I mean, I took, he became my partner uh, for the rest of, rest of our stay there. But uh, anyway, uh, Hans Schmidt, myself, Hans Hermann, who was a German that uh, was, a, a, he was a graduate of MIT. He was a, some kind of engineer, a super intellectual person. And uh, He's one of the first guys that uh, I remembered from seeing TV at grandma's house and they had him explain some 
complicated theory with all kinds of uh, blah, 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 something you do learn in advanced chemistry class or something, something, something. Anyway, but he was there. I was there. Waldo was there. Hans Hermann. And uh, we, we went up to watch these, this bicycle race at the cyclotron. For what reason, I don't know. But anyway, we're all sitting there. And, and uh, <laughs> I think it was Waldo says, well, look at this, that, you know, Hans and da, da, da. He says, we must be, we must be the uh, Boney German Club. <laughs> so whatever, it was funnier, funnier the way he said it. <laughs> we were all there and uh, yeah. Where was, was, Fritz, was Fritz at that time using the iron call and, and already? Oh yeah, well, when I was in the army in New York, they used to have pictures of him and the newsstands. You'd see pictures in a, a different kind of rag sheets, you know. And, and his uh, what do you call it? I don't know. That claw was be part of the thing, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm building up to that. I'm I'm making them suffer. Hey, making that slow come baby face comeback. Uh, you're going to get to the St. Louis there. I'm waiting, <laughs> waiting until you get just a little nervous. <laughs> We're in Dallas. We're in Dallas now with all the Germans. All the real Germans are in Dallas, Texas right now. It's right. right. So, uh, and, and you're the only one without the claw? No, no. Uh, Waldo didn't use a claw. Waldo, Waldo didn't use oh, a claw. Yeah, we, we had a old, he'd lift you up, he'd lift them. Point it up like this, squeeze his hand, his uh, knees together around their head, and drop to his knees. Paul driver. Well, it was it was he called it something else, but I can't say that on TV. <laughs> We're not on TV, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, it was more of a dressing room word. Anyway. Uh, Can you not say it because your wife's sitting there or you don't want to embarrass me? <laughs> Either <laughs> one, you're both too young. Uh, um, well, I don't know. Let's see. Then we went to, oh. Yeah, oh yeah. We went to uh, work for Eddie Farhat in uh, the Detroit, Detroit, Detroit uh, Michigan, that slew of states up there. And uh, went to work for him. And for some reason, uh, uh, we were doing well. And that's where our son, Carl, no, he was born in Indianapolis. Well, that was Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. You're not there yet, Carl. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All those towns look alike. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, forgot my train of thought. Which was, uh, Somebody sent me the same Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Andy Farhat, uh, who never used the NWA champion, at the time, he was part of that group, the NWA. Right. And 
for some reason, uh, uh, they called me, they didn't call me, they worked at the Sheik and uh, he said, they want you to go to St. Louis uh, and wrestle. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if he told me who I was going to wrestle or not. Anyway, uh, so they flew, they flew me in and uh, I was there. It was at the, uh, what's the name of that building? Kiel, Kiel Auditorium. Kiel Auditorium. Carl's got a lot better memory. Kiel huh. Auditorium. All right. So I, we get, I get to Kiel and I find, I find out I'm, I'm wrestling uh, ex-world champion, Pat O'Connor, who I've heard mentioned several times. And I didn't think too much, you know. I had, I'd, never see, I'd never seen him before anyway. Anyway, uh, so I'm, I, I'm gonna wrestle him and uh, we're on one of the later matches on the card. And I noticed that we all dressed upstairs. There was a, a big Coliseum area. And then uh, there were some stairs in the back and you go upstairs and there's dressing rooms like, like at a theater. <coughs> and uh, I noticed that when they, when they start to announce the wrestlers, they have them standing at the bottom of the stairs and uh, they call call them out and or give them a signal and they, and they go towards the ring and as they're coming to towards the ring they're being announced and uh, and I look down there and uh, I see Pat O'Connor getting ready to go out and I thought well that's not right I can't go out the same I've never gone out the same doors <coughs> As the guy was wrestling, anyway, uh, they introduced Pat O'Connor, and then they send me down the stairs. But I, I thought I'm going to go across this. There's a big stage there, right? So I, I go, go. I, I don't know if there are curtains or a door, but I open the door and I see a red light on the other side. It says exit. I said I'm going in the other way. This is all on my own. I don't know why I did this. And I get out on the. And it's pitch black. No lights, just that red light. I'm aiming. So I'm uh, I'm walking across the stage, and it's got all kinds of clutter and things piled up, and I don't know what. I'm bumping into things, and I can't see very well. I can't. I, back then, I couldn't see very well, uh, regardless. But uh, I ran into a, quite a variety of things: clutter, clutter, clutter. And uh, when when they had me doing this, when my my friend my son one of my son's friend friend wrote a play about the Baron, I would tell this story, and I'd I'd always say that I ran into a, a, a Zamboni, boom! I hit the Zamboni, but I there was there was no Zamboni at the Keel Auditorium. It was Ryland. Anyway. Uh, so I got out there and and uh, they started to introduce me. Introduce me, and uh, I'm coming out this door that nobody's gone out ever. None of the wrestlers have ever taken that door that I know of. 
anyway, uh, I'm coming out the wrong door and they're announcing me and uh, uh, the people are looking this way and I'm coming from the other way. And, um, and then they start to figure out I'm coming a different way. And they, you know, they start to, for some reason, boo. And uh, uh, I get about quarter, I, I had about a <coughs> quarter of the way left to go to the ring. And uh, my my long satin cape, I'd gone to a long satin cape by then, by the way, I was the other one to show you. Uh, caught on my, uh, underneath my uh, boot, wrestling boot. <laughs> and I, I slipped and I, I fell back, but I caught myself and I didn't quite go down. And I was going back and forth like uh, one of those things you see at the gas station. And uh, so I kept going forward, but I was trying to keep from falling the whole time. And I got right up to the corner and I was so mad at my cape, I took it off and I slammed it. I had a little match right there. People were going crazy. I don't know for good or bad, but, but then I got in the ring and uh, so that had uh, it was a friend of Mad Dog's because they'd been on, he was a, he was uh, from Australia. He, he was from uh, New Zealand. On the Olympic team. He was on the Olympic New Zealand. New Zealand Olympic team. New Zealand Olympic team. Uh, he's the same one that Bernie and Mad Dog were on. So they all knew each other. Anyway, I found out that connection later, but Anyway, uh, he uh, was a real gentleman, and he says, uh, "Listen, kid." I said, "Okay." And uh, uh, he led me through a series of different maneuvers and things, and. and uh, Eventually, he worked me into a position where he had me laying flat on my back, but he had his, his, uh, he had my one leg up in the air. Otherwise, I was flat on the mat. And he had my one leg and he had up here by his chin and his shoulder. And he was doing like this, like he's really putting pressure on, which he was, by the way. And the crowd would go crazy, and I, I was reacting. Every time he went, gave it another, I, I gave it a lot of this. And the fans thought he was going to tear my leg off. And it kept going down, going down. And I'm pretty flexible, come to find out. I knew that. <laughs> you know. And then, uh, uh, he, he, start, he started to let up. I said, do it some more, do it some more. I suggested that. And he said, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had it down there. And there. So then he finally looks, he looks, he looks at me and he says, put the claw on me. And I didn't know how to do that because I, <laughs> I was there in Fritz's territory, but I, I thought that was a dumb thing. 
a dumb thing <laughs> for her to do. <laughs> I didn't tell for poor Jardine. But uh, he said, I said, what's that? And he said, <laughs> just put your hand on my forehead. <laughs> so I did. I went, and I looked at my hand too. Went there on his forehead and grabbed his wrist and struggled to get it off, it looked like. But he wasn't. <laughs> and he went, I had him in the head. He had me almost my toes touch, touching from my one leg, which they're not supposed to do when you're in that position. Anyway, uh, anyway, and then he, he, he started to, we were going back and forth and he, uh, he worked his way up and up, 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 up. And uh, people thought I really had him, but anyway, up, 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 up. And then we were both standing and I'm selling my leg and, uh, and he's still selling the claw and he gets, he starts to get behind me. He's getting behind me. I'm, I'm following him on this circuitous route. It's going around and around. And pretty soon he's around. And pretty soon I'm in the sleeper. He's in the claw. I'm in the sleeper. He's in the claw. And I go for the count. Gradually, slowly, the claw peels off finger by finger. Anyway, well, then I, I thought, well, that was great. You know, I felt good. And, you know, I just, you know, he's such a great guy to do that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, it must have been all right anyway. They paid me, so. <laughs> they paid it. So the legendary claw was formed in St. Louis that night with Pat O'Connor. Well, yeah, the, the, for me it was. Uh, for, yeah, it was. It turned out that I was working in Bruiser and Snyder's territory in Indianapolis shortly after that. I, I, that's when we started, right? And then. Uh, and then, uh, so it's got to be almost a year later. But anyway, uh, we moved, things happened, whatever. We moved from uh, Toledo, working for the Sheik. We moved to Indianapolis, working for Bruiser and Snyder. And uh, Pat O'Connor came up to, to uh, a show that we were having at, at the fairgrounds in uh, Indianapolis. And uh, he talked to Dick the Bruiser, the brain behind the corporation. Yeah. And uh, they didn't have an office, they had a garage. <laughs> we always met at his Bruiser's garage. Anyway, uh, 
he had a talk with uh, uh, Bruiser, and uh, Bruiser had a talk with me. He says, uh, uh, Pat wants you to do the claw tonight. And so I said, oh, okay. You know, I was with Pat, and he'd, he'd had that thing. And so, uh, and we did it. We did it there, and... Uh, uh, it got over great. And so Bruiser uh, says, uh, we want you to use the claw from now on for a finish, you know, finish it off. So that's how that got started. And uh, uh, let's see. What an amazing thing that Pat called that all on the fly. He called the the claw and the claw, the fly, the sleeper hold. I mean, I've never seen that combination to go into the finish. That that's just amazing. Uh, you know the the, the old vets that uh, like yeah. you, well, you two guys are part of for now some, for some strange reason it wound up the same way. Yeah, <laughs> but but Pat Pat was like a, Pat was probably one of the most creative guys in our business and in the ring as, as you could as you could be and have have for a, a dancing partner with in the ring. Pat was so fantastic to work with. He was great. Yeah, just wonderful, wonderful man too. Wonderful person. So that's where uh, I officially became Barry Von Raschke. The Claw. <laughs> the Claw. <clears throat> and uh, the claw for me was born. And, and so from that, did the run go? Then when your long run came in Minneapolis, right? Was that when you went back to Minneapolis and you had the claw, you had the Baron? Yeah. You was, were the main German. We had we had Carl by then too. He was, I had Carl too. And did, <laughs> I had Carl. He's a he's a Hoosier. <laughs> And the robe, and the robe. You still had the robe after you slept on it. You didn't burn the robe up, did you? No, no, you didn't. <laughs> Let's see. Did you ever work much for Vince Senior? I know. Uh, I was reading your biography. Nineteen seventy-seven. You had a big match with San Martino uh, in in the Garden, uh, which is huge. But did you work much for Vince Senior during that time, or was it just kind of a trade-off working with Vern and? going in for just some shows here and there no uh, i actually worked they they got hold of me i worked i was working in uh you're in minneapolis yeah it was minneapolis so that was after that yeah i was working in minneapolis when they brought me in to work uh the New York Territory, yeah. Do you remember why they brought you in to work with Bruno? Was that the main primary objective that was with uh, Baron against Bruno? Oh yeah, uh, he had uh, started working in the in the uh, Indianapolis Territory for he he and, he and Vince were having meetings of the mind. I don't know money troubles or whatever. Anyway, uh, but he started working for. Uh, for Bruiser and uh, uh, we got along great in the ring and uh, did a lot of business, him and I. And, uh, anyway, 
So anyway, they got hold of the hold of me, and uh, I was on. Let's see. Yeah, I was working in Minneapolis by then, though. Yeah, and then we uh, we we went to. Uh, how am I doing all this stuff? Doesn't matter the order. Yeah, we moved from Minneapolis to Connecticut. Oh yeah, we moved from Nebraska to I mean Minneapolis to Connecticut. So I was working for Vince at the time, and it was to. That's what they did. They brought in different people who weren't too popular in character. Yeah, were, were you told you were going to get like a three-match run with Bruno or anything like that? Because that's and that's how they usually set those matches up with Bruno back in those days. Uh, I knew I was going to have a, a match and a return, but I did. Yeah, uh, I think I probably wrestled with three times. But I wrestled with him probably twenty times in. Uh, Indianapolis area. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a, we had a nice run. How long was that run in New York? About nine, 10 months. About nine or 10 months. I'm yeah. Talking. Cool. And primarily it was with uh, Bruno? Uh, for the, yeah, for building up, we worked every, you know, I worked every night, but yeah. that was for the uh, was monsoon. Was monsoon working at that time? Oh, yeah. you yeah. Yeah. Did did you did you square off against monsoon? Any? I sure did. I you sure did. Tell us about that. <laughs> what for? <laughs> uh, he used, he actually used to work out at the uh, New York AC. Yeah, yeah, he was in Ithaca, Ithaca, New York, right? The heavyweight for Ithaca. Was that when Cornell. it was still on Central Park South? Yeah, New York AC. Yeah. Now, this is at the New York AC. I don't know where. I think he did go to Ithaca, but oh. but he used to uh, work out at the uh, New York AC. Uh, uh, but that was before I got there, so I, he was already wrestling as Gorilla Monsoon. And uh, but anyway, I did work with him a few times. Yeah, he was great too. Well, uh, Baron, we sure appreciate your time today, man. We know we, we put you under a big inconvenience here. We, we kind of rush these things, and and but to get the opportunity to get you here is second to none, man. We sure appreciate it. Pre appreciate your time. Appreciate Carl and Body uh, assisting. And, and wait a minute, you got to appreciate the birthday wishes too. The, the Baron sang oh, you a boy. birthday wish that I it don't get any better. I, I guarantee you, it don't get any better than what I what I just had there. Thank you all. Thank everybody for that, man. I appreciate another year on this planet, another 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 trip around this damn old sun here. Having fun, man. That's all the people need to know. Huh. Happy birthday, Jerry. Thank you, Baron. Happy birthday. <laughs>